When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I'm Trey Strelko from the Sons of UCF, joined by Eric Lopez of the Black and Gold Banneret. Welcome to Around the Kingdom. Eric, how you doing? I am hot. It's like 100 here, Trace, in Orlando. It's heating things up. I know we're getting close football season, but can we at least cool down the temperature a little bit? And I like how it's called fall camp in the dead yeah. heat of August. Uh, in Central Florida. Welcome back in to Around the Kingdom, everyone. Before we get going, let us welcome in the third member of our team, Adam Eaton from the Sons of UCF. Adam keeps track of the time and keeps us on our toes. Adam, how you doing? I'm well, gentlemen. I can't wait to have some uh, some talk this week. We're getting so close to football season. A lot of fun topics. You guys have put together a great rundown. I can't wait to see how the show goes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quiet, Trey, so I'll let you guys get after it. All right. As Eric mentioned, football, preseason camp. That's what I like to call it, Elo. Preseason camp, fall, going to be weeks and months away in uh, Florida. Uh, underway, the Knights have had their first scrimmage. Our first topic tonight, what are you hearing that you like and what are you hearing that you don't like? Let's start on a positive. What's something that you're hearing from coaches and players that you like? I like the camaraderie. It sounds weird, but it's the, I like the kind of the low-keyness of the camp. Like everybody's supportive of each other. Think back to last year, Trace, when you were covering there and all the drama around the quarterback, who's play starting, who's not, who's going to play the snaps and all. There's none of that this year. Uh, I was at media day. It was peaceful. You were not, you were there as well. Everybody was complimentary of John Rice Plumley. You could sense talking to the players. He's the guy. He's the leader on the offensive end. Uh, I just get a sense of a camaraderie there. I think the guys are really cherishing the fact that there are people out there nationally that maybe are skeptical of them as far as in the Big 12. I, I just sense an inner peace there. And again, it's media day. It's fall. You know, it could change. But I sense this inner peace that I haven't seen from UCF, honestly, in a couple of years. Well, let me continue with that theme. I know it's something Gus Malzahn said that uh, JRP, night and day difference, but we heard it echoed through media day as well. And I know everybody's got good vibes in preseason camp all across the country, and they're saying all of the positive things. But what few clips we've seen, and we don't get a lot of media access uh, and availabilities to see much of anything, but the clips UCF's put together, positive of John Rice Plumley, And again, players and coaches, Darren Hinshaw amongst them, the new offensive coordinator, talking positively. So that is good to hear, especially a year after when we're going to have this quarterback battle decided early on in camp and it dragged throughout camp. And as we know, as you mentioned, dragged throughout the season. So I concur with you. Greater peace here. Positive vibes about John Rice Plumley. 
Flip side now. Let's go negative, Elo. What's something you're hearing you're picking up that you don't like? Well, here's the thing, right? We, You talk to Coach Han, who runs the offensive line. He talks about all this depth. Gus has talked about this is the deepest offensive line, right? Do you hear that at all on the defensive side? Have you heard anybody say, hey, we got all this depth and defensive line? No, I haven't. That concerns me a little bit because you're going to get banged up as you go into the Big 12. So is that a concern? Are we reading too much into it? Is there depth on the line and the defensive line with a young youth defensive backs? What about the linebackers? You know, Ernie Sims, I got a chance to talk to. I was really impressed with Ernie Sims. He talked about all those guys and Johnson stepping up as a leader. But where is the depth? I hear all the depth on the offensive line trenches, but not on the defense. That's a concern. And, you know, I mentioned something that could surprise uh, a couple weeks ago when I said uh, special teams, that I was encouraged by that. And speaking with Colton Boomer at Media Day, you know, he's coming back from injury. He's not 100% yet. I asked Coach Malzahn during the media availability this week, do you see Boomer involved with kickoffs? Of course, he's going to deflect that. And speaking with him and as well, special teams coach Brian Blackman, uh, Boomer not 100%. Now, it's early on in this preseason camp, but that's something to watch for. And then, you know, throughout camp, injuries will creep up. Grant Stevens, tight end, we know now that he's hurt, not likely to see action this season. So it's going to happen in any camp, but as you as it drags on and you start to hear about some injuries, some things not right, uh, those are things that you, you don't want to hear. All right, back to a positive, something you like that you're hearing. You know what I liked? I liked the fact that I got to talk to a lot of people one-on-one -on, -one on media day. That doesn't happen every year. I was pleased. Uh, I was very pleased with that. And I was pleased, you know, in hearing the coaches talking about working for Gus and, you know, in some cases coming back to work for Gus, you know, I talked to Addison uh, Williams, the defensive coordinator and how that was an emotional moment for him when Gus tell them, hey, you want to be my defensive coordinator because of all the pain, the dues. I really liked how the coaches were loyal and, and spoke highly of Gus. All right. Positive for me, Herb Hand. You know, I'm a big believer in Herb and the offensive line at media day. He said deepest unit that he's had in all of his years of coaching. And Coach Malzahn said it as well. Eight or nine deep. You're going to need that depth if you're going to slog through uh, the Big 12 schedule. So some of the things we like and some things that we're concerned about, share yours in the comments uh, that uh, follow uh, on YouTube uh, or social media and let us know. Eric, what else we got? You mentioned Darren Hinshaw earlier. You had opportunity. I did as well to speak with him, and you went and wrote an article about it. I did. You'll go to blackandgoldbanneret.com. She plug. I uh, wrote an in-depth feature on Darren Hinshaw, who I got to talk to at Media Day for about 20 minutes who's now the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach. Uh, talked about his past where he was connected to Mike Pruzek, the present with Gus, and the future. I've made the case this guy's really the perfect representation right now for UCF on the offensive side. Trace, do you believe, like I do, that Darren Henshaw could be a big difference maker for this offense this year? Cautiously optimistic. I know there are some naysayers that say, what did he really do at Kentucky or did he really do much at UAB? You know, he's so intertwined now in this coming season with John Rice Plumley. Does he make John Rice Plumley better? Do we see Plumley's performance improve? They're, they're, they're tied together. Is Hinshaw going to be a difference maker? I, I remember Darren Hinshaw back in my days at UCF and he was my quarterback and we had a great conversation uh, at media day. I'm looking forward to what he can do, but they really are to me woven together. How one goes, the other's performance is going to be uh, judged throughout this season. One thing I like in talking to Darren Henshaw, he mentioned the fact 
that yes, John Rice Plumley is the starter, but his job as the court as the quarterback coach is to make sure that every quarterback on that roster is ready to play if called upon on that game day. He's not thinking about red shirting guys, not thinking about playing six weeks. Think about all the conversations last year, Trace, about we're, we're trying to redshirt this guy. We're trying to redshirt that guy. And what happened when we got to the championship game? One guy didn't want to play because he didn't want to lose his redshirt. The other one got hurt. And you had a young kid quarterback in Castellanos who clearly wasn't ready to play. And I blame that, that as much on the staff than on the individual. I don't think that we're going to have that problem with Darren because I think Darren, as he told me, we're going to have a, a game plan for Timmy McClain. We're going to have a game plan for Williams. We're going to have a game plan for even Dylan Risk. I love that approach to me, Trace. I don't think I think the quarterback room will be a lot better this year than it was last year. Now, you hinted this in your article, right? Past, present, future. What do you see as his future? Do you, do you see him as a long-term uh, hire for UCF? I do. I think if he has success with the offense in the Big 12 years from now and Gus decides to retire or steps aside, who better than an alum in Darren Hinshaw? How many, you know, the last couple of years, Trace, how many times we keep hearing, you know, it'd be great if Mackenzie Milton was the head coach at UCF. What if Darren Hinshaw, who was Mackenzie Milton before Milton, became a head coach at UCF here down the road? Yeah, Darren Hinshaw was KZ before KZ. It is funny, you know, fans want Mackenzie Milton right now in his uh, early 20s uh, to coach and look at the dues that Darren Hinshaw has paid throughout the years to finally make it back. I mean, he's been an offensive analyst, defensive analyst throughout the years. Uh, it was some stops back at UCF, but this is now uh, a prime position for him. Uh, again, how well he does with John Rice Plumley and as well those other quarterbacks because can a quarterback at any level of college football make it through the grind of an entire season without the backup coming in? That is how he's going to be judged, but we are cautiously optimistic. All right, what league, when uh, Darren Hinshaw becomes uh, the new head coach of the UCF Knights, will UCF be in? Because it's been uh, all sorts of crazy, again, with uh, conference realignment. What do you make of it? What have we missed today? Has Cal and uh, Stanford joined the Atlantic Coast Conference? Yeah. And don't forget SMU now has been thrown in there as well in the mix for the ACC. Because, you know, when you think ACC, Atlantic Coast Conference, you think SMU, of course. Um, Trace, we've lost, the, the, the shark has jumped. College athletics has lost their minds. All these adults, right? The same adults that complain about the players taking some money from NIL and transferring and the portal. This is like the, this has become an, an athletic department transfer portal period. We're, you know, Oregon and Washington are going to the Big Ten because the Pac-12 just just died, basically. Now, I mean, everybody's for survival. It's all about the big check. It's all about football, football, football. All other sports be damned. And I, I hate this. This is not what college athletics was meant to be. Tradition is supposed to be a big part of college athletics. That's what they sold us on. And now you have a conference that has been in existence since 1915. The most successful conference from an on-the-field standpoint is going to be dead after this upcoming season. One of the best universities in the country, Stanford, best academic school, best athletic department. They've won more national titles than any school in every in all sports. Doesn't even have a home today. That's a disgrace, Trace. When you talk about tradition, there's always been churn in college sports and realignment. But what's a tradition that they all keep gravitating to? Money, money, more money. And this isn't finished yet. If we think it's finished at 16, 18, 
we're really heading down this path of these super conferences. Let's talk a little uh, winners and losers in this, either in the sport of college football or more specifically for UCF. Going to start off with an easy one. And I've been big on this guy, especially coming out of the Michael Resco years. Brett Yormark, the uh, uh, athletic, uh, the uh, commissioner uh, of the Big 12. He's been pushing all the right buttons, been very aggressive. And you see the contrast with the Pac-12 commissioner. Is Pac-12, Pac-9, Pac-4, what it is exactly today. Uh, all the missteps and mistakes, this is where it's good to be UCF. Now, is this the most geographically sensible conference with the expansion of Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah? You look at that map. Uh, Black and gold banner had a nice graphic up there that showed UCF off on its own little island here in Florida. And the way this is a uh, Midwest, you know, Midwestern, Western uh, Rocky Mountain time zone conference. But better to be UCF than will Memphis get somewhere? Will SMU? And of course, our friends over in Tampa. Better to be UCF in this. Winner, Brett Yormark for pushing the right buttons, staying aggressive. Winner, UCF, because you'd rather be in this thing than not in it. Agreed on Brett Yormark. Well said, because the Big 12 outsmarted the Pac-12. Pac-12 was too arrogant. Uh, agreed 100% uh, on that. I think I'll mention a couple quick losers. Big losers in this, uh, potentially Olympic sports. Who's gonna? How is this travel going to go? Are they going to give charters to like volleyball programs and soccer programs? Are you going to make them fly commercial? That's going to become a hot topic, regionalized deal. The fans are, are losers in this. Trace, you're traveling to every UCF road game. Good thing you've got that Sons of UCF budget backing you up on these trips. I can't. I don't want to know what that budget's going to be. But that's going to be expensive for people to travel, which is a whole big part of college athletics. I'm definitely concerned about that. The big, obviously, winners. You mentioned Brett Yormark. Big 12 basketball. My goodness. They just added Arizona. They added Arizona to go along with the Kansases and the Baylors. Utah's a good tradition. Arizona State. Some uh, UCF men's basketball may not be a winner, Trace. We may help. Oh, how are we going to win games? Might oh my not God. be. Might? Oh, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough waters. Uh, but, you know, big. You know, the big winners, obviously, is the people that got out of the Pac-12. You're right, though. The Big 12 survived. Big 10 is obviously a big winner because they just keep getting stronger. I think it, it, You're right. We're headed for super conferences. Uh, on that. But, hey, Arizona's a big winner because they got out of the Pac-12. They dodged a bullet, unlike Stanford and Cal. You mentioned fans. To me, they are winners and losers, okay, in this. I think fans of these programs are going to like that vacation destination of Orlando and Central Florida. You see the turnout when there are bowl games uh, and they attract Iowa State and they bring 30,000 fans. I think a lot of these programs, their alum bases, their fans are going to like coming to Central Florida. But losers are fans, as you mentioned, the travel. It's, uh, I mean, I know people, right, that made three, four, five games last year on the road, obviously easier with Tampa and Boca Raton as part of the mix, but aren't planning Boise and Norman, Oklahoma. But also, hey, UCF fans, when you're the East Coast school, get ready for those noon kickoffs because they're going to want that TV schedule staggered across the day. Get ready for those hot noon games because they are coming. Something to watch real quick. Those Pac-12 schools like Arizona and Colorado, will they embrace the Big 12? Or are they going to have some like hangover about the Pac-12? I had a friend of mine from Arizona. I'm like, hey, Arizona, UCF, same conference. And, and, and that person's reaction was, oh, my God, Arizona and UCF is in the same conference. That was their reaction. <laughs> they, we'll see how long it takes them to embrace that. Speaking of embrace, hey, it's poll preseason football polls time, Trace. 
We got I love the polls. Poll. They're so you useless. Know, I know you do. I know you do. Uh, apparently, nobody aware that UCF did not receive a vote in the polls. Uh, Georgia, number one, no surprise there. Michigan, two. Alabama, three. There are one thing that's noticeable, Trace. Big 12 teams are ranked in there. A lot of UCF opponents ranked. Give me your thoughts, uh, coaches poll top 25. Well, you mentioned the Big 12 schools. Texas is in there. UCF not scheduled to play them unless they find themselves in a conference uh, championship game. TCU as well, ranked five in total. Note the next three. UCF road opponents, Kansas State, Oklahoma. Ah, Texas Tech in Lubbock in November. This is Trace's team. Trace has adopted the Red Raiders. Here. <laughs> They're my other team. And Utah, future Big 12 in at 14. Not the same as the American, right? Where maybe it's a UCF, maybe it's a Cincinnati or a Tulane. They're at 24, 25 to start the season. Several schools in this top 25. I note here that uh, three schools that UCF play all on the road that are part of that top 25 mix. The positive of that is if UCF is successful, easier track and path to get to the top 25, right? How many weeks do we spend in the American? Like, oh, maybe this is the week. Oh, they'll be receiving votes. Think about it. If UCF was still in the American, Tulane's the only team ranked. And Tulane would have probably been the favorites just because what they bring back from last year. So the bad news is you got more teams ranked in your top 25. The good news is, again, welcome to being a big boy club, Trace. You used to complain, Trace. Oh, the, you know, it's a, it's the, it's the, what was it you used to call it? The, 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 Mafia, or you know, the, and all that with the playoff system and everything. We're part of it now, buddy. That was the talking points when UCF was on the outside. Now yeah. UCF's in the club. All this cabal is fine now. <laughs> it's right. So you know what? You UCF fans better get used to this. You better start getting used to snickering like, oh, psh, Louisiana Lafayette. Who have they played? Who have they played? Now we're going to be saying that. Because, like, we should be in that spot when we're 9-3, and 8-4 and four going up against the Big 12 while teams in the Sun Belt are going 10-2, and 11-1. I'm going to be really curious, Trace, you in particular, because you're the ringleader of all this. You, I'm you the ringleader. Of, of you're the ringleader of all this. Are you going to turn your back on the little guy that you've defended all this time when you were upset six years ago when UCF was outside looking at? Are you? I think that depends on the situation. So if it's oh. down to UCF and Tulane for a spot in something – uh, hell with Tulane. <laughs> so that little guy thing will go right out the window. No, I mean, I, I root for underdogs. So I imagine I want, but not at the expense of UCF. I think the big thing out of these preseason polls, and they mean nothing. And all we got was one this week, right? The, what was it? The coaches poll. And we get the, the writers. UCF's brand recognition improves now as part of that big 12. Same for watch lists. Same for preseason teams. You know, you're on those things now. They will matter more with UCF in the Big 12. So uh, more to come on that with another poll out next week. All right, little transition time. Let's bring back in Adam for our little silly game segment of the week. Adam. Greetings. I don't know if silly game really uh, encapsulate this one, fellas, but here's what I got for you. I got two questions this week. Eric, I'm going to start with you. Uh, here's my first one. There was news today on the internet this is according to Caesars Sportsbook. Somebody bet $1,000 that UCF would win the national championship, which would net them a $500,000 $500, return. It's a 500, 500 to 1 bet. So here's your question. You make the call. Is this person making a wise investment, or are they throwing away their money? $1,000 well, on a 500 to 1 I would bet. hope they have money like that. Well, first of all, that... I. 
I, that narrows it down. It's one of these two people. It's either UCF Mike or our good friend Carson Engel. It's one of those two. Shout it's out. not to UCF Mike. Mike. I can tell you that. For <laughs> UCF, UCF problems. That sounds like something. That could be playing option three. This could be a – I feel like it's right there. Uh, I think Carson was in Vegas recently. I, I'm going to say it's Carson, but shout out to Carson. He listens to the show. Uh, is it the most – how much did they spend again, Adam? They spent 1K. Eric gets a 500 to 1 bet that nets them 500K if UCF wins the national championship. Wise or just throwing your money away? I mean, a thousand. That is, uh, I'm sure there's people like at the kingdom and everybody, can you just throw that over here instead? Like, <laughs> I don't know like if that's that the thousand dollars at the kingdom, right? Like, I don't know if that's the wisest this year necessarily. Now, when the playoff expands to 12 teams in a couple of years, that might not be as bad, right? Because, and here's where I'll defend the person that invested in it TCU was in the same boat UCF was a year ago, and nobody thought they would be a big threat. They were near the bottom. So maybe that's what they're thinking. But I would have waited until, Going to the 12 playoff format, but that's just me. All right, Will so, that format uh, remain intact? That's going to be an interesting well, that's question. That's the other. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. All right, Tracy, same to you. Wise investment or throwing away your money? Again, I would hope that the person uh, making this wager has that kind of money. And if you have that kind of money, then why not? It's, it's a fun bet. Now, if you're not paying your mortgage and kids are going without food maybe not a wise idea but if you got the money <laughs> well, at that point well they got other geez. problems at that point if that's what they're doing if you got I the money say, why, not? why not but uh that's that's all they you I, know think, what they I think you should net more than that really thousand <laughs> dollar yeah. investment you should you should reap a lot more if ucf ends up pulling it out they should have just invested that money into the sons of ucf budget that's going to allow you to travel to all these places to watch ucf <laughs> that's how i know it's games. not ucf mike all right here's the next one for you both this week, a really cool series uh, UCF is putting out, the, the 12 for 12 series, essentially 12 stories for the Big 12. And a video dropped this week talking about the 2017-2018 you know, 25-game win streak. And it featured a cameo by our former head coach, Scott Frost, who had not been seen talking UCF in a long time. So, Trace, I'll start with you. You make the call as it relates to Scott Frost for UCF fans. Water under the bridge? Or don't let the door hit you on the way out. Where are you at, Scott Frost? Are you welcome back? Or is he still persona non grata? Well, for me, he's always been welcome back. Uh, so I've never had an issue. Now, a couple of things. Do I like him wearing the red checkered shirt? Do I like him having the meeting in Temple? No. But I appreciate what he did. He didn't have to keep that coaching staff together in the lead up to the Peach Bowl. And he did. Uh, he was working both for Nebraska and UCF in that transition. Imagine how awkward you saw it in that story about running into Heupel and his coaching staff and uh, how difficult it was on the players. I've never had a problem with Scott Frost. No one leaves their employer without some sort of friction, some sort of issue. Now, whether the guy deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore, make Elo's top uh, five list of best coaches. All. What, what do you got him at, Elo? You got you had him in the top five. Ten. I got him five. Five. Okay, already he's already in the top five, which means yep. you have opportunity to move him up a little more. And I certainly don't think he needs a statue. But when we get to 2027 and they recognize that team, and Scott's still living off that Nebraska money at that point, welcome him back and give him a big applause at the bounce house. Oh, he looked great. Didn't he look great with the background too? Like, was that a real backdrop, or was it one of those? That uh, was real. Oh, that looked. No, real. that was real. He's somewhere. He trust me. He's doing just fine. Thank you. Probably collecting the Nebraska paycheck. I thought, but first of all, props to UCF for doing that. That two-part series, fantastic writing. Jenna Marino, I've known for a million years. They've done a great job with that. And I actually think one of the things that came out of that 
Again, it's sold Scott Frost. That's why I do rank him number five. And I think he's the most important f- college football coach UCF's ever had. Because Trace and Adam, if UCF do- doesn't go 25-0 and in that streak, if they lose that South Florida game, we're not having this conversation. We're probably previewing the American Conference and talking media days from Fort Worth instead of the Big 12. I do think he had a significant impact in that. And he should be in the UCF Hall of Fame down the road for those contributions. That team doesn't go undefeated with any other coach, in my opinion. Two seasons, you got him in the Hall of Fame. One of those years, six and seven. Yeah, it's a bowl game. At least it's not a win. Hey, we have a Hall of Fame coach had two winless seasons. You had him, what, eighth? Yeah. George O'Leary, eighth. (laughs) George got a statue, though. He did. It's good to know people, I guess. Coach. All right, Adam. Put you back in the corner there. Come back in a little while. We talked last week about most underrated position group on this 2023 UCF football team. This week we talk overrated. Elo, what do you got as overrated? A guy you spoke to, and you talked about him earlier on the show, Colton Boomer. We've kind of put this guy in the shrine. Like, we sure he's good? Like, you were on uh, – you did a show last week with uh, Christian Simmons and Bailey, and you guys talked about how a lot of his kicks were not well. And he kind of, like, verified He mentioned that with it, you. too, during media day. Yeah. He said it wasn't his best work, and they still made it through the upright. So – his logic being that if he gives you a better performance, he will be even better. Let's hope that's the case. But now you're saying he's already, he's not hundred percent. Like, I feel like everybody likes him because of the boom and he followed Obarski and all that. But are we sure the kicking game, the woes are behind us? I, I think that's a little like, you know, he's not Matthew, Wright. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm a little, let's cautious on that. For me, the position group that's getting the most praise on the defense is the defensive line. So, Maybe they have nowhere to go but down. Uh, Maybe they are a little overrated. You mentioned it earlier. We keep hearing about the depth on the offensive line. I am comfortable with Ricky Barber and Josh Selesar. I I don't have any questions or qualms about those guys. We've heard Lee Hunter's name it. But what about the rest of that defensive line? And this is not a defensive line that really shined in the American. And now they're going to be facing bigger tougher offensive lines uh, in the Big 12. So we don't know what John Walker, how he's going to emerge. There's good praise for him, but he's still got to learn the position. What kind of impact does a true freshman make uh, in his first season on the Knights roster? I think there's so much talk about the defensive line at the expense of the secondary in particular and the transition to first-year defensive coordinator Addison Williams that maybe they don't live up to expectations. Are they going to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks uh, or is the secondary going to be eaten alive by quarterbacks who hang back in the pocket? I think they may be, I don't mean that they're going to be bad, but I think they may be a little overrated. And I wonder about the depth. Which is why I kind of agree. The depth is a question is depth. If the word depth overrated, can we say that like how many, how many, how many times in media day trace, did we hear Hey, uh, coach, do you have power five depth? Do you have this? You know, when you guys, you know, you have depth until you have injuries, then you have no depth. And I, I always, I wonder if some of this is cliche or not. Hey, everybody has depth in August, but do we have depth come November? And I, again, they say that the offensive line has the most depth. We'll see. I think that's a little overrated, the offensive line portion. Hopefully I'm wrong on all this, but that would be the other one I would say is the depth of the offensive line. We'll see. They got to prove us wrong, but I feel like the depth, we, that seems like a cliche, but you disagree. Yeah, I think depth is important. Uh, you know, once these first line guys go, 
time can you bring in these second line guys and be competitive? And over the course of the season, will the Knights simply wear down? So, no, I don't think depth is overrated. Well, let's hope they, they are not overrated. Otherwise, it could be some uh, tough, uh, bad moments this year, which brings us to the next topic that Trace presented because, you know, he loves positive positivity. And that is <laughs> worst moments. We've talked so much about the greatest moments in UCF athletics history and the celebration of the Big 12. But what are some of the worst moments, Trace? In we'll UCF? make this segment shorter since we've gone a little long. I'll just yeah. rattle off a couple. Mackenzie Milton's injury, one of the worst moments, yes. especially if you were there in person and even if you were watching on TV. Terrible moment. Another dark moment for UCF's program, Eric Plancher's death. I think that is a, a significantly bad moment in the history of UCF football. So for me, those are two injury and death-related that are bad. And then you you got a number of actual football game related ones. Uh, I don't want to steal all of yours. I'll just name one. Uh, UCF finally gets to a bowl game in Hawaii and Matt Prater misses an extra point. Ugh, boy, that one hurt on Christmas Eve. All those are valid. Agree 100% dead on. I'll add a couple of fresh ones. Losing to Furman in 2015 at home. I remember leaving that stadium thinking, oh, my God, we might go winless this year. And we did. We backed that up. The other one, I think you were there, 64-12. Oh, that's a good one. And one oh, I was seven. at that yeah. was really bad was they had a chance that was 98 to go to a bowl game. They're ahead at Auburn in a terrible game that I was at. They lose that game 10-6. Yeah. Dante Culpepper with four turnovers. Terrible game. They don't end up going to a bowl. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. How about losing the like bat? Yep. Yep, bat, losing to a bad UAB team in 2011 where that team couldn't win a road game. They went, did not go to even a bowl game. And then, uh, you know, so those are some pretty bad ones from a football standpoint. I'll throw a non-football one. The last two years' trips, UCF men's basketball at Tampa, you got to live through that. That was, that was, bad. That was bad. All right, Adam, we'll bring you back for some corrections, some facts. Uh, what do you got for us? Right. Here's a couple of things for you. You talked about Darren Hinch on his offense. I did want to point out he at one point in time took a, a at Kentucky. He took a wide receiver in Lynn Bowden, made him a quarterback, and he became a first team All American, first team All SEC. So maybe somebody with athleticism like JRP pretends to that. Maybe there's a blueprint there. You also mentioned his uh, his trajectory. He started coaching in 1999. Here's where he went. I don't know how many of these you guys can guess. He started at UCF, Middle Tennessee. Georgia Southern, Memphis, Tennessee, Cincinnati, Kentucky, and UAB. Darren Hinshaw certainly put in the reps. You guys talked about the top 25 coaches poll. A couple of fun facts. Houston got three votes. BYU got two votes. UCF got zero votes. Why is this important? I looked on the list, gentlemen. One of the voters of the coaches poll, Gus Malzahn. UCF did not get a vote. Gus Malzahn listed as a voter and uh, and no votes for UCF. So check on that. Yeah. Elo, you talked about overrated words. According to bunnystudio.com, here are the five most overused words. Number five, hard. Number four, nice. Number three, literally. Number two, interesting. And the number one most overused word, amazing. And for Elo, depth. Depth, depth was not featured on the top 50. On that. Amazing depth, huh? Ah, that's what you did there. All right. Thank you, Adam. One more thing. All these changes to the Big 12 begs this question, Elo. What's the one Big 12 road trip that you would take and which one do you have no interest in? Are we talking about this year with the including the members just, just that are leaving? All or? the mem no, all the future members, this new configuration when it debuts, 
now oh, and then it. what's what's one you would All definitely right. want to put on your bucket list so i've said this year norman oklahoma oklahoma that's gonna be awesome environment once in a lifetime deal take it moving forward hello tempe arizona tucson arizona thank you we finally have some cool cities in the in the conference i am fired up for arizona and arizona state yeah that's what those are my picks and what about the you don't want to go there salt lake you can have that one trace salt lake and with all due respect but actually boulder colorado wouldn't be how far is boulder from denver uh about 45 minutes all right i could do denver i could do colorado uh lubbock your beloved red raiders that's all yours exclusive <laughs> for me i'm just going to put uh colorado because i have family there so that's my favorite road trip uh the limited expenses on that one so i like that uh, one and uh the one i'm most dreading uh maybe iowa state maybe iowa state because i've been to des moines and there's just not a whole lot to do up in that oh, part of the country wow. so, well it is the state of iowa you know yeah all right uh look for new episodes midweek every week on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel and on the Sons podcast podcast feed. I want to thank Adam and thank Eric Lopez, you as well. I'm Trey Strelko. Thank you for joining us for Around the Kingdom. Sports Social Podcast Network.